Well, I just want to, first of all, thank all of you. Um, man, we've been supported by Sunset for a long time. And the first thing I just want to express is our gratitude, um, not just in a financial sense, but you know, every time we come back to San Francisco, we really do feel cared by you guys. Um, we have personal relationships with you guys. We've done ministry with you guys. So again, I just want to thank you guys, uh, both me and Felicity want to thank you guys for not really supporting us, for really being partners with us. That's, re- that's a lot different than so just supporting us. Supporting us is this kind of idea that we have this long distance relationship, but we f- do feel really close to this church, to this community. So just want to thank you um, for that. Um, if you don't know us, my name is Avery, and this is my wife, Felicity, down there, and my kids, uh, who are embarrassed now, uh, Serenity, Grayson, and then Lucy um, on that picture up there. Um, what we do is that we are part of what God has called this church to do, to bring the gospel to least reach people groups all across the world. Um, for about 11 years, we were in a creative activist country, ministering to Muslims there. And very recently, because of COVID and some other issues, um, we left that country and actually we were given another opportunity to continue to being um, in that ministry by mobilizing, training, and teaching um, Taiwanese believers to do cross-cultural, least-reached people work. So we're really excited about that. We see our students in all sorts of different contexts. Um, there's a family that uh, was part of our training center that is actually in Chad ministering to Arabic-speaking Muslims, uh, tribal Muslims there, and they have to learn. They have to learn two more languages. They have to learn French, actually three languages, three languages: French, Arabic, and also the tribal language there. And so you can see that for them. The sacrifice, the challenge of missions is really great, but they are so passionate and willing to do that. And we praise God to see the, the Taiwanese church, uh, Chinese background believers rise up too to be a part of God's calling to fulfill the Great Commission. So that's really what we're doing. And actually what, when I say we, I just don't mean me and Felicity. I mean, we as a community, Sunset is a part of that. And all our other supporters and supporting churches are part of that ministry too. One of the challenging things about talking about missions is that, well, there are two things that I want to bring up um, this morning. Uh, one thing is that sometimes it feels just very distant, right? When we look at maybe Facebook posts or maybe IG updates or read email newsletters, it's hard to connect that life over there to our life here. It's just, you know, you read it and it's just like, okay, that sounds weird, but I can pray for that. And, you know, I just, go on with my life. Um, And so connecting the idea of missions to our local church life has always been a challenge to to really produce a zeal or passion or enthusiasm um, for missions. So that's one of the challenges of speaking about missions. The other challenge about speaking about missions is that oftentimes we think about missions as an individual calling. So think about, you know, that young college or career person, and they're asking questions like, God, who have you created me to be? Who, who am I? Um, God, where, where should I be going? What direction are you calling me in? God, what should I be doing? And we realize that, you know, when we listen to those questions, they're, they're not wrong questions. They're important questions. I don't want to dismiss them, but they're really focused on the individual. Oh, uh, 
who am I? Where am I going? Uh, what am I supposed to be doing? And so when we think about missions, again, oftentimes there's this idea that it's this faraway thing, or maybe it's this individual thing. And so this morning, I want to kind of just turn the tables on that conversation and describe missions more as a central thing, central thing to the existence of the church. That means this church right here, it is involved in missions in a very visceral and fundamental and foundational way. And this church here, we ought to see missions not just as an individual calling, it's a corporate calling. And when I say corporate, I don't mean like Facebook or Google or Apple. I mean corporate like a body. It's not just one person's calling. It's all of us as a body. That's our calling. And that's really the way that the Bible um, describes that. Um, When we talk about missions, um, so I guess I have to confess here, and, you know, I hope you guys don't have like a knee-jerk reaction to this, but actually the word missionary is not found in the New Testament, okay? And before you guys disband your missions committee and and pull us off support, uh, I just want to explain that just a little bit. So missions is actually a plural word. There's an S on the end of that. So it comes from another word, mission, right? And when we talk about mission, we're talking about a task or a purpose that we're given to complete. And actually mission comes from the Latin word missio. Missio comes from this idea to send. So there are two ways that it's being used. Either an organization sends out a person or that person themselves is being sent out. So a missionary is someone that's sent out, or a church has a mission to send out people. And when we look in the New Testament, that idea is found in the word apostle. Apostle is one who's sent out. They're a messenger. And so that's how we're connecting those two ideas to really this um, idea of purpose. What is the purpose of the church? What is its mission. And so this morning, we're going to ask that really important question. What, what is the mission of the church? Um, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, where are we going? And really to answer this big question, I'm, well, to answer this big question, we're going to kind of break that into three smaller questions. The first question is, who are we? When we think about identity, identity really drives what we do. You know, um, how many 49ers fans do we have here? Yeah? Okay, there's one. There's two. Okay, three. All right. Maybe there's more LA Rams fans here. But, you know, if we were an organization built around sports or the 49ers, we would see a lot of different things in this room, right? Maybe you'd see more red and gold, more numbers. But that's not what this body, this organization is about. It's about something different. And it's because our identity really matters to us. It drives how we think about ourselves, how we think about what we do, how we think about what we're go- where we're going. And so that leads us to the second question, uh, the where. Where are we going? And for any organization or for any group of people, um, after you've talked about identity, that really dictates the direction of where you're heading. And direction is really important because it talks about our purpose. What are we trying to achieve? And not just what are we trying to achieve as individuals, what are we trying to achieve together? And the last question that we're going to talk about is what are we doing? Once we figured out who we are and where we're going, 
what are we supposed to be doing to end up in our destination? How do we fulfill our purpose? And are we going in the direction that we're supposed to be going in? So this morning, we're going to be looking um, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And so there's a little bit background about um, the book of Acts. Actually, the book of Acts is the second part of um, a two-volume um, letter written by a man named Luke. And his purpose was to help uh, this other guy, Theophilus, understand the details of how the, the Christian faith, how the church came to be. And so a lot of times we talk about that idea as the gospel. But really, as if we look at the Bible as a whole, the Bible is the story of the gospel. And if you've grown up in the church, maybe you think about the gospel like this. The gospel is the idea that all of us have sinned and we need to confess our sin. We need to repent and place our trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And through that, we can have a relationship with God, not just now, but for all eternity. Uh, that's a lot of words. And if you're unclear about what that is, please ask Pastor Joey or anybody else here what those words are. But I just want to key on key in on this one idea that the gospel is how we come to reconcile our relationship with God. But that's just the start because the gospel just doesn't answer the question who we are or how we relate to God, but it all answers questions like, when I'm going through a hard time, how do I deal with that? Uh, how, how do I treat my wife and my children? Um, how do I interact with other people in my church? How should I do business? All of these questions are related to this idea of the gospel. And it's really important to just remember that the gospel isn't just this one part of my life. Once you come into relationship with God, the gospel penetrates, infiltrates, and really infects all parts of your life. And so when we look at the, uh, when we look at the writings of Luke, this is just one part of the gospel. The, the key part of the gospel is the person of Jesus. And the book of Acts talks about what happens after Jesus died and, and, and rose again. And so that's where we are here, Acts chapter 1. So Acts chapter 1, verse 6, we see the disciples coming to Jesus, and they've just seen this miraculous thing. First, they've seen him at work doing miracles, and then he died, shocking them, and they were very depressed and sad. But then, unexpectedly, he rose again, even though he had told them before, I'm going to rise again. They just, they just didn't get that. So here we are, uh, chapter 1. Is it coming up in the back? No. There you go. Chapter 1, verse 6. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. And so the question that we see uh, being asked and answered here is, who are we? And can you, got, can you just go ahead and leave that um, scripture up there? And so as the disciples come to Jesus, they're, they're, they're thinking to themselves, well, we're Jews, and we know that we're God's chosen people, and we know Jesus 
that you are the, the Messiah because not you, you rose again from the dead. Everything that you've told us is true. So Jesus, when, when are you going to restore the kingdom? When are you going to make us the powerful, blessed people that we know that we are to be? And Jesus's answer is really interesting. Well, first of all, his answer to them isn't, well, that's not going to happen. But really his answer to them is to challenge them in how they think about who they are. He says, can you go ahead and leave that? Oh, there you go. Okay. He says to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. So he's actually saying to them, you're right, that's going to happen, but it's not going to happen the way you think it's going to happen. And I think that's a challenge for us as a church. What are the things that we value? What are the things that we consider as part of our identity? You know, are we Chinese? Are we San Franciscans? Um, what are the values that we have? Do we value security? Do we value tradition? You know, one of the challenges of any church is, you know, well, God planted our church here. Maybe we're supposed to stay here for 10, 20, 100 years. But is that what God values as he looks at his, at his people, as he thinks about where he wants us to go, where he wants us to be? Are those the things that God values? And again, I don't want to diminish those things. Those things, security, comfort, those are actually important things and they are going to be fulfilled, but not in our timeline, not according to our timeline. Um, and so Jesus is actually challenging the disciples right there to rethink who they think they are and to align their identity with what God has in store for them. So we, we as the church, God challenges us against our preconceived uh, notions of who we are. He's here to reaffirm our identity as his people, but he's here to challenge us in how we think we are his people. The things that we think that we deserve, God is actually saying, I'll fulfill those things, but not according to how you think they ought to be fulfilled, according to my time and according to my authority. So the who is that we are the people of God. But we are the people of God as God sees us, not as we see ourselves. So going on to this, the next question, where are we going? And so Jesus is turning their attention away from how they think they ought to be, what they think they should receive. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And there's three things that I want us to pay attention to just in this uh, short part of the passage. The first thing is that Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. This is divine power. This is power from God. One of the things that I've learned about, as we've come back here uh, to the, the U.S., to California, one of the things that I've learned about San Francisco is that Parking is very valuable. It is very hard to get. We were down in Chinatown, and I was just driving around, driving around, looking around, and it was hard to find a parking space. And eventually I found one, and I don't even know if it was really a parking space. I just know other people were parked there, so I, I just parked there too. But, um, you know, when I, when I was growing up and we would go to the supermarket, my mom would always tell me, 
let's pray to get a good parking space, right? Let's pray to get a good parking space. A parking space with shade and that's close to the front of the, uh, the supermarket. And, you know, we would pray. And again, I don't want to dismiss my, my mom's prayer because I was praying that prayer too a couple of days ago as we were in Chinatown. But think about the power of who I am praying to, right? In this verse, it talks about receiving power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Is this power to find a parking space? Is that the power that we are calling upon? Is God the God of parking spaces? Now, he is, but he's more than that, right? And so when God is, when Jesus says, power is going to, become, to come upon you from the Holy Spirit, what kind of power is this? Is this power to find a parking space? Is this power to do well on a test? Is this power to find your one true love, your mate for life? Or is this power for something else, something different? Now, I, again, I don't want to dismiss any of those things that we ask for. Those are real things. Those are important. But again, God is trying to challenge us to reshape our thinking, right? This isn't just power to fulfill the needs that we have in our lives. This is power for something else. So the second, so moving on to the second part of this verse, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. You are going to tell other people about who I am not just through your words, but through your actions. Now, when we look at Jesus' ministry, we realize he said a lot of things, but he also did a lot of things. And the idea of a witness is that you are speaking of something else. And this goes back to this idea of the gospel. The gospel isn't just telling somebody about who Jesus is or what he does or, you know, what our doctrinal statement is here at sunset, but it's living those things out too. You need both. If you only live things out, then people don't know why you're doing those things. Like, what do you believe? But if you only speak about those things and you never live it out, then people will just be like, well, that's just like any other worldview or religion. Anybody can talk, but can you live it out? Can you live out your life in faith? Can I see the power of the Holy Spirit work in you and through you to do the kinds of things that God wants us to do? Okay, so we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got us being witnesses of Jesus. And now we've got a direction. We've got in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if you know anything about the geography of um, Jesus' time, Jerusalem was the center, was the spiritual center of how the Jews thought about um, uh, the world. That's where people, That's where the temple was. That's where you would go to connect with God. And so Jesus is saying, well, you're going to be my witnesses in this most important place, but not just in this place, in the surrounding areas, and not just in the surrounding areas, to everywhere. <clears throat> so we see from this description that Jesus is saying every area in this world is important. Um, a lot of times when we talk about missions, it's, it kind of made me, maybe it feels like, oh, the most important place is over there. The most important place is over there, but it's also over here. It's also in between too. And that's what this whole idea of Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The whole world is important to God. And we have a mission. We have a purpose. We have a direction to fulfill our, our, our role as witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So here in Sunset, here in California, here in the U.S., 
here in every place um, on this planet, we are asked to be witnesses. And so we see here that because not every, uh, because every place is important, that means every person on this planet is important. And in our church, you will realize that not everybody here is gifted or asked to be at the very ends of the earth. Some people are going to be asked to be in Samaria, in Judea, in Jerusalem. Some people are going to be asked to stay here at sunset. Some people are going to be asked to serve in, in other parts of the city. Some people are going to be asked to serve maybe in Mexico or other places in the United States. But we see here that in order for us to fulfill God's calling, his mission, we need to be in every place and every person has a part for that. You know, going back to this question of, you know, how can our church be connected to missions? How can I be connected to missions? It seems so far off. Part of our role, our, our, our duty, our commitment is to engage in those places. Um, I want to encourage each of you to think about what does it mean to be able to not just read and hear about these other places, but to be there and to serve there. Um, again, as me and Felicity have served in the field, we know that there are just people that have a desire to be there, but they just don't have the gifting to be there. Um, and what that means is that uh, as you go to a place, you'll hear more clearly how God is leading you or guiding you. But as you go there, you'll get a sense of the need for the gospel. And maybe you'll be like, you know what? I can't learn another language or it's hard for me to assimilate to another culture, but there's a language I can speak. And that's back here in my home church. I can serve other people here in English. I can reach out to other people here in the city. And so I think that's the really the dynamic of being engaged in missions as a church is that even if God doesn't call you to go out to the end of the earth, he'll call you to come back and serve with greater passion and zeal for him here in, in the city or maybe just in other parts of the U.S. or just you know in other areas. But the idea here is that by going out, we can see what God is doing and that inspires us as a people, as a body, to understand better what our direction is. Um, so kind of moving on to the, the third question that we had, you know, what are we doing? The passage continues. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching and the cloud took him up. Sorry, a cloud took him up out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. <clears throat> so you can imagine the scene. Jesus has just said, okay, guys, you guys are really hanging on to your Jewish identity. That's cool. That will be fulfilled. But I'm going to give you guys divine power to be my witnesses to all the world. And then suddenly Jesus just starts rising up, right? Rising up. And everybody's like, whoa, 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 Jesus. And they're just, they're just staring at this because they've never seen a person just rise up into the clouds before. And to be really honest, I haven't seen that either. And one of my one of my first thoughts was like, you know, what would happen if like there was like a speaker here and then he said something to people and he started rising up. And I was like, man, but there'd be a roof there. And then he'd just keep on like bouncing into that roof. So I was like, oh man, Jesus, you're so wise. You did it outside so you could rise up 
into the clouds. But these guys, they're, they're staring at Jesus, you know, eyes up, mouths dropped. And then angels come. And angels, and you can kind of see how there's a rebuke of these, these, these men. The angels are saying, you know, why are you staring into the sky? Why are you continuing to look at Jesus? Are you guys doing what Jesus has told you to do? Right? And, you know, there's nothing wrong with looking at Jesus. Jesus is our model. Jesus is our Savior. We should be totally grateful and worship Him. There's nothing wrong with worship. There's nothing wrong with the ministries that we do at this church. But the question I have for us is, are we only gazing at Jesus? Have we forgotten what he has asked us to do? Jesus did not ask his disciples to stand there and watch him go up into heaven. He expected them to do what he had called them to do, to be his witnesses. He expected them to move on and you know, look at him through their quiet time, through their, their personal prayer time, through their corporate worship, but never to forget that they were to be his witnesses. And so that's what I want us to ask us. Are we as a church, are we doing what God has asked us to do? You know, the, the things that we have at this church, Bible study, fellowship, worship, all of that is to help strengthen us for the task that God has given us. It's not just to do worship here. It's not just to study the Bible here. If that's all that we're doing, we are only gazing at Jesus. We are not doing what he has asked us to do. So kind of uh, to sum up, um, we've asked three questions uh, this morning. Um, the mission uh, to answer, what is the mission of the church? Uh, the first question we asked is, who are we? And um, we looked into the book of Acts, and we've seen that God challenges our preconceived ideas of who we are as his people. So we've got a bunch of different values. We've got a bunch of different thoughts about who we are as his church. But God comes back and he challenges us to think about are our ideas of who we are as his church, is that reflected in what the scripture says about who we are as his people? The second question that we asked was, where are we going? What is our direction? And God empowers us to be sent out to share the gospel. And that's our purpose, to share the gospel, to be witnesses of Jesus. And God gives us power to do that. That divine power isn't to fulfill our own needs, but it's to fulfill his mission, is to fulfill the direction that he's given us. And what are we doing? Well, God refocuses us to fulfill his mission. He asks us, are you guys doing what I'm asking you guys to be doing? Or are you guys doing what you only think that you should be doing? So again, this is all coming back to the mission of the church, the purpose of the church. And we see here that missions doesn't come from being that outside ministry that we kind of support through finances, through prayer. It's those things, but it's also missions is the very heartbeat of the church. We're supposed to go out. We're supposed to engage. And so you roll the next slide, please. And so when we talk about the mission of the church, uh, this is kind of maybe a, a summing up of that question, what is the mission of the church? The church as a collective body, so again, it's not just an individual calling. We're not just called to individual ministries, but the church as a collective body has a mission 
to live out the gospel in ways that make it accessible to everyone. Accessible to everyone means we take the time to know people, know their stories, take the time to know their language, take the time to know their culture, and to speak about the gospel in ways that they can understand. Now, that doesn't mean people are just going to come and accept it because the gospel is divisive. The gospel tells us things that we don't want to hear, but the gospel also gives us great hope. And I don't know where people are this morning in terms of their walk with Christ, but if you're here in this church and you have, you know, you've only heard maybe slices and pieces of the gospel, I want to encourage you, find out more about who this Jesus is and come to know him as your personal Savior. So I just, I want to end with a couple of next steps for us to consider. Um, you know, Sunset already has a legacy of doing this. Um, behind me is a picture of a team that was sent out to minister to not just us, but other missionaries too. And so I'm sure you guys can recognize different people in that picture. But I just want to encourage this church. Don't rest on those laurels. God is calling this church to do something new, something different, um, Joey's talked about this business meeting that he invited you guys to. Um, business meeting sounds super boring, but it's important for this church to know where it's going and what our identity is. So that's, uh, that's going to be a part of your responsibility too as a church. So the first thing I want to co- uh, encourage you guys to do is connect. So Because that answers the question, who are we? Connect with somebody in this church. Talk about the things that they struggle f- with. Share your lives with one another. It's really important to build our identity as a community to answer that question, who are we? And so I want to encourage you this week, you know, this month, take time to spend it with somebody in this church. I can already sense that community is a very high value um, here at Sunset, but it's really important that we reaffirm that we are as a people together and that we have a common goal and mission. The second thing I want to encourage you guys to do is to answer that question, where are we going? Engage in the direction of this church. And so that means going to this business meeting. It means um, interacting with ideas that are being presented as a part of where this church is going. Um, Be involved in it. Serve in it. Um, Engage in how God is calling this church to serve here and elsewhere in this world. And the last question that we talked about is, what are we doing? I want to encourage you guys to reach out. Reach out to others. One of the the big challenges of living in a vibrant Christian community is that sometimes we only live in that Christian community. And what I mean by that is, I want us to think about how many non-Christian friends that we have, or just how many non-Christian people that we have in our lives. Sometimes when we get involved in a church that becomes our life, and we forget that we are actually sent out, that we have a mission, um, that we are being asked by God to move out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So I want to challenge each of us, think about, you know, do you have Christian friends? Spend time with them. And if you don't, think about ways of getting into communities of non-Christians to bring with you the light and hope of the gospel. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for calling us into relationship with you as your people. Father, we confess that we have not always understood who we are as you want us to understand who we are. 
So, Father, I pray that you would change us and transform us. God, I pray that this church would be firm in its identity as your people. I pray that it would be clear in its direction to be going out. And Father God, I pray that it would also be um, reflective about what are the things that they are doing. Are we doing the things that Jesus has asked us to do? Are we being his witnesses? Are we, but, or are we doing something else? Father, convict us, change us. Father, we love you, and I pray for this church, Lord, that it would fulfill your purposes, your direction, your mission. I pray these things through your Son and by your Holy Spirit. Amen.